Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. Are you hungry like the wolf, babe? Oh, I am. I can't think of any of the other lyrics of that. Wow. And I know no. my Duran Duran. Uh, yeah, they have a new album coming out, and I was just thinking about, like, what if they just released the same songs again? And, like, I would love that, actually, you know? <laughs> like, Rio, hello? Like, yeah, the Simon LeBon. Just... Yeah. <laughs> You can't get over the the, the, tr- the true beginning, the bangers. I Hello. guess don't re-release Electric Barbarella, even though I do kind of like that song. It's kind of sexist. <laughs> like, you know, a, a lot of things for the time, you know, yeah. and I think we're going to get into that with That one came in the 90s. Well. How shame. Shame on you. <laughs> a lot of bad things came in the 90s, Gavin. Come yeah, on. That's, <laughs> that's real. Hi, welcome everyone. This is The Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast in which we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and we give you a pop history, and then sometimes we look at the good, and we look at the bad, and then we tell you what we like and what we don't like so much. Yeah, we take two weeks to watch as much as we can, and then we deliver it to you piping hot, fresh, uh, so you can, you know... Make some decisions. Go watch some good stuff. Especially during spooky season. Use our show. Go watch some good things. You know, dim the lights. Turn the Mm. sound way up. Get Mm. yourself scared. Pop some popcorn. Sit on the couch. Yeah, I would say we're at our most powerful during the spooky season. (laughs) Gavin makes me do things I would never do before. (laughs) I am but a puppet. (laughs) And Uh, he's the master. I was going to say, it's it's very Cabinet of Dr. Caligari in that way. You're the Caesar to my Caligari. (laughs) But Gavin, spooky spooky, we're not alone today. No, we are not. We have a very special guest. Um, Literally wrote the book on our subject. Um, So please, everyone, welcome. It's Craig Mann. Hello. (laughs) <laughs> nice to be here thank you for having me especially to talk about werewolves yes yeah. thank you so much for coming on craig i have to ask really quickly who is that in your bedroom <laughs> what, what 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 am i seeing well this is this is actually my living room and that's <laughs> a uh that's a cardboard cutout of arnold schwarzenegger as the terminator but because it's spooky season he has a uh vampire mask on which is why he's incredible slightly slightly sinister behind me yeah. incredible you can Awfully also sinister. You can probably spot <laughs> probably spot daffy duck back there somewhere as well i love that you were like oh no this go. is the living room people see this oh yeah 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 i i'm not i'm not ashamed of my interest <laughs> i love that so much um before we get into why we've brought you here today um for your expertise it, um, we got to take a look back at our last episode um which we talked about a uh, john carpenter the prince of darkness himself uh and we asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite uh, John Carpenter movie. And here are the results. Uh, my pick, They Live, came in at last place at 9%. I feel like people haven't seen They Live. Yeah. If, if you, should go, you should go check it out. They Live should not be last. Yeah. That I, is sacrilege. Th- thank you, Craig. Thank you. Okay. Well, I was, I was just going to say, first of all, th- these are we can only do four per every um and second of all none of these are bad movies no, so yeah. so like even if you lose this poll you're still a winner thank you uh because gavin's pick the fog came in in third place at 25 percent um it was very close between um the fog and halloween halloween came in at second with 26 percent um and kind of a surprise win i would say um the thing came in at first at 40 percent i am um, not surprised i am not surprised, I'm not surprised in either. the least yeah <laughs> i thought the halloween girls were going to come out but the thing really, you know, and and what what I really liked was because I had never seen the thing, watched it for this episode or the episode last time. It's really fucking good, um, and it fucking freaked me out <laughs> in ways that I didn't appreciate. But like, it's really good. It's like, uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun um, folks talking about, you know, 
all their different ooky spooky faves. I will say, and I don't want to shit on anything right out of the gate, but maybe the Halloween gals didn't come out for Halloween because of a certain movie that came out. <laughs> just, okay. just saying. I'm not saying that it's you know kills a franchise, but it's. <laughs> oh, am I am I with two people who didn't like Halloween Kills? I, d- I don't. I doubt Lou even saw it. I'll no, I didn't see it. No, but okay. I did. But, but I did you- not like it. Oh, okay. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty entertaining. Okay, here we go. The reviews actually, they're mixed. They're mixed already. Well, it's I been actually, a pleasure I, having you, Craig. <laughs> I think it's got a really interesting political message as well. But anyway, that's a. The, I mean, um, I, the p- politics aside, like I, I don't know. I, it didn't do much for for me. But I mean, yeah, it's definitely striving for something. I think being in the midst of all of this is also. I'm like. I'm like, who are the dummies that this is for? Anyways, <laughs> sorry. Craig, I wanted to ask. Me. It's, it's very, <laughs> Craig is like, hi, I'm right here. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask Craig, uh, do you have a favorite John Carpenter movie? They Live. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they, live is, they Live is by far one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also one of the most important films of all time. Yeah. In being, yes. in being an, a, a very accessible deconstruction of capitalism. Yes. Um, and uh yes by far they live um and after that i really really like the fog i do love the thing mm-hmm. but I, I i just think it's the film that most people talk yeah. about when they yeah. talk about john carpenter right. apart from halloween so i you know it doesn't I, need they live as a yeah it doesn't need the shine i mean yeah they live rocked me backward and forward um we had also people talking about of course escape from new york um and a couple of his other movies uh, we, i was gonna say we did definitely get somebody who said you know sorry that neither of us really liked big trouble in little china it's their favorite and i'm like it's okay well i mean some, just look, if, if take it, a look at it a little yeah. deeper and maybe you'll feel big, big trouble is a is a childhood favorite of mine yes. correct is, uh, correct but no, it is yeah there's it's a, a lot of movies not... though like they hit you at the time when you're ki- i mean i would even argue that there are some movies that we're gonna talk about today i'm like oh this is for children and like when you're a child yeah it hits you and it's like this is obviously a favorite as an adult sometimes it's like Ugh! like you know yeah. if you're talking about silver bullet we're gonna disagree my friend <laughs> I, i'm not i'm not talking about silver bullet so don't worry about that's, that's 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 good to know anyway john carpenter <laughs> Thank you for your service. Um, I hope you listeners out there were able to find uh, or rediscover an old favorite um, through the show. Um, But let us move on to this episode's subject. Uh, Gavin, why don't you tell the lovely folks what we're talking about today? Well, uh, I noticed that uh, this gentleman followed me on Twitter and I was following him back and I thought, well, he's literally written a book called Phases of the Moon which is a book about the cultural history of the werewolf film. So who could be better to join us than Craigie and Mann to talk yes. about werewolves on film? Yeah, it's kind of our last uh, classic universal monster, right? That we, yeah. Well, I guess we haven't done... Uh, we haven't episode. done Frankie. Oh, Frankenstein. we haven't done Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, but I, I'm, uh, you know, we've done zombies, we've done ghosts, we've done witches, we've done vampires, uh, werewolves... It's natural, and um, Craig, I'm so excited to have you on. These episodes always kind of hit me in like really strange ways, where I'm like, because <laughs> I'm not really a scary movie guy, but then like I watch these, and I'm like, there's so much like meta shit that's, and I'm like, oh, it's scary for a reason. It's because real life is horrible and like a fucking horror. <laughs> um. I mean, I was surprised. I remember when we did Zombies on Film, which was two um, years ago. Uh, Louis came away with such an appreciation for it, sp- specifically about 
the not just the political messages but the human messages about the way that people need each other and and the way that um people either band together or do not or fail each other during these things right. and i actually right. think that werewolves on film runs closest to that mm -hmm. area mm -hmm. it's usually more insular it's usually not about a crowd it's usually about like one specific person but the way that they affect that crowd right um but I mean, we'll get into it in just a moment, but like I, Craig, I was, that's how I was feeling watching these. Yeah. I was like, I was like, surprisingly, I've seen a lot of werewolf movies, but surprisingly, I guess I had never thought of the, of the deeper context. I really connected Craig with the, the chapters in your book about Reaganism, because obviously that's the era I was born in and just the way that we changed the way that we talked about addiction and our bodies and disease and 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 capitalism and all in a very mm. negative way things to i mean louis and i are not reagan fans i'm gonna go out on a limb to say it's well, so good because that would have been my that would have been my french accent yeah exactly and i wouldn't it's have... so crazy talk shit about my favorite president Craig. Yeah. <laughs> and I, no one would have blamed you and uh, no one would have listened to this episode so like it's it's really cool to see that thought process written down and discussed and, and dug deeper because it's a really disgusting time period in, in the United States. And, and, yeah. and yeah. it really affected our art and the, and the way that we, you know, pop culture perceive things and people, people don't think of werewolf movies a bit as being political in the same way they think of zombie movies as being political because of Romero, I guess. And, you know, Night Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, uh, or even vampires, I think. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book, because I think, they are just as culturally significant as horror monsters, as zombies are, as vampires are, as Frankenstein's creature is, you know. Um, so I'm really glad that that side of it connected with you. Yeah. It, it, we, we, when we did vampires, we talked about the fact that uh, clearly around the 80s and 90s, a lot of vampirism, especially when you get to like interview with a vampire and stuff, it, it, it becomes very clear how much of it is influenced by the AIDS epidemic and what was happening in the time period. And I, I agree. I think nobody's really thought about um, the way or written about the way that that werewolves are very similar because a lot of it ends up, especially in that time period, being about shame or like trying to hide the difference and, and what mm. the effect it has on your body. And I don't know. It's, it's all the it's transformation. Like, right? Yeah, absolutely. Transformation is the really important thing in the 80s. And uh, it connects to several different contexts, I think. And that's so fascinating. And and I'd never I'd literally never seen anybody um, enter in through that angle. And and it was I was kind of eye opening. And I've I've it made me um, I'm going to hopefully this doesn't sound rude. It made me feel dumb <laughs> that I had not made those connections before because I like to think that I'm an insightful person. But apparently uh, apparently you're on a whole other level. I've well, werewolf movies have a bad reputation, and I think when you go into watching werewolf movies, the fact they have a bad reputation follows you into it, and you maybe immediately assume that there right. isn't a great deal there, unless we're talking about the the canon, and the canon is basically three, isn't yeah. it, right? American Werewolf in London, The Howling, and Ginger Snaps. Yeah. Maybe Dog Soldiers, <laughs> but there aren't, a, there aren't a lot of movies in the werewolf canon, quote-unquote, so I think... When you go and watch some of the more buried stuff, some of the, uh, you know, in cultural estimation, some of the stuff that's a little bit lower down, mm -hmm. you may be followed by that shadow of werewolf movies are bad, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right, totally. 
Which I don't agree with, by the way, but, you know, just as a, as a cultural perception. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> Wait, you didn't write a whole book about things you hate? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, I, cl- the thing is... I, you're clearly not American. <laughs> with the with the five-star and one-star review concept of this show, I really struggled with the one-star because I've watched so many of them and I find something to like in all of them and then I remembered the existence of the one that I... <laughs> and- that I yeah, and I will anyway, say we'll, we'll uh, leave that. We we've definitely given one star reviews to movies that we've also liked, but have, yeah. are not you know that because I think there is there's always something for somebody, and I don't think any movie mm-hmm. gets made where it sets out unless it's Sharknado. I don't think any movie <laughs> sets out to be bad, uh, but sadly sometimes they end up that way. Um, the the, the Citizen Kane of CGI cinema. There you go. <laughs> uh. Okay, I'm already loving all this conversation. Let's keep it rolling and let's get into the rewind. The word werewolf is comes from the old English word werewolf. Lol. Um, it's a comp- where means man. Wolf literally means wolf. Hello, so werewolf. Um, <laughs> the term really isn't popularized until the 15th century, um, and that's when you see like. And I didn't know this. Apparently. Uh, as part of the the witch trials there was also fucking werewolf trials like or they were part of that and people were being accused of uh you know being werewolves and and eating babies and shit um very very few confessed but there were some confessions which i think is even more bonkers well i mean like they were fucking peeling their skin off and like you know pouring wax in their ears and shit like i would probably confess too i'd be like yes bitch it's me i'm shakira the the she-wolf is in the closet okay (laughs) by the 16th century the secular courts had adopted inquisition procedures to protect society from witches and werewolves in 1532 judicial torture became the legal means to determine malevolent witchcraft and lycanthropy you can't actually prove the crime materially. So the only sure way of obtaining a verdict is a confession. And once you've got that idea into your head, uh, the best way of obtaining a confession is to apply force. The thing that we think about um, in like Western culture, it's really just centered around in Europe. Like that, that's like the idea. Um, the term lycanthropy comes from um, ancient Greek. Uh, it can be, tra- it's traced to the story of like, um, his name's King Lys. Theon, whatever the fuck, of Arcadia. He's transformed into a wolf because he, like, is, like, is Zeus even a fucking god? And makes him, like, he makes him dinner. And it's a fucking, like, baby or some shit. It's human flesh. And Zeus is disgusted, as he should be, and turns him into a wolf. So that that's just the idea, like, like anthropy, the idea that you can transform into a wolf, right. into a man. Uh, it's become more of an unpopular term due to the turn to associating it more with the medical field now right because it's becoming slightly more ableist than than it was seen in I, the past hmm. i did find it really interesting and i don't know craig if you have any thoughts on this as someone who's native of europe um but like the idea that you know when you think about back in the 16th 17th century um i was reading a bunch of like scholarship about how yeah, it probably makes sense that people were afraid of wolves because they were like the alpha predators of like the region. Um, and uh, so this projection of fear is like going to just be put on these animals that are like, you know, eating sheep. Montague Summers, a 19th century authority on occultism and the supernatural, aptly described what the wolf meant to medieval Europeans. The distinctive features of the wolf are unbridled cruelty bestial ferocity and ravening hunger. He has something of the demon of hell. 
He's the symbol of night and winter, of stress and storm. The dark and mysterious harbinger of death. There's different um, cultures around the world who, you know, if they don't have a wolf, they have like jaguars. They have like there is right. always a beast that is scary. Um, and certainly that even like in North America, we have um, gray wolves um, and, you know, farmers always fucking kill their wolves. Like that's just like a, a, a part of the thing. And so like we project that fear onto these like creatures in the night um, who. Yeah. And also um, also rabies. Yeah. Yes. Is, a, is, yes. Know, is another another thing that links into it. You know, um, there's a book by a guy called Ian Woodward called The Werewolf Delusion, where he argues that you can map accusations of werewolves to rabies outbreaks in uh, in, in, in central europe so it's interesting um so that's kind of just like a brief history of werewolf and like where that comes from obviously you know the the, the tales of werewolfism that's how like these myths come up and people are, like you know the, the folk um oral history of, of these things kind of trickle down through generations of people yeah i was um, gonna say i'd be remiss if you didn't mention uh, and i'm gonna fuck this up because i've never been very good at french the beast of jovedan famous french werewolf outbreak attack that occurred in 1764 to about 1767 there was a study in 1987 that estimated that there were about 610 attacks resulting in 500 deaths and 49 injuries um 98 of the victims who were killed were partially eaten it was blamed on a werewolf most descriptions of the period identified the beast as a striped hyena wolf dog or wolf dog hybrid and it's one of the most famous um uh, like history historical cases of a possible werewolf moving ahead to werewolves on film um i found that the first time a werewolf is on film is a, sh a short silent film in 1913 uh, called the werewolf uh it's about a Navajo woman who becomes a witch after she thinks her husband has left her and she teaches her daughter how to turn into a wolf to seek vengeance. Um, all of the copies of this were lost in a fire. So there's it's a lost film forever. Um, Craig, you were talking about that in your book, actually, about how it was very um, rooted in religion and um, imperialism. And I know, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a film for the white majority, yeah, essentially, um, and uh, it's very much about uh, controlling those forces that the white majority wants to control um, by first casting them as monsters and then kind of showing how they can be destroyed, right? So it's um, it's a hard to analyze that movie because it's not, you know, we we can't actually watch it, but there are plot synopses, there are a couple of stills still hanging around. Um, and you can get the gist, right. basically. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a it's a threat to the white Christian majority, which is then quashed, mm. essentially, um, which is very problematic. Right. <laughs> uh, it's a shame that the first werewolf movie is essentially racist. It doesn't get better for the next couple ones. I'll say. Right, right. I mean, because we, we'll see a lot of very. Uh, it's like you know the curse of the devil and um a lot of spooky ooky uh you know gypsy folks who like you know are the bad guys and who like mystically know the answer to all these things um but that's kind of where we're at it is in 1935 um werewolf of london is made there's i guess some like a little controversy about this film or not controversy but like uh henry hole was like that design's stupid i don't want to do that <laughs> Um, and the and the movie was kind of like in limbo for a little bit. Um, the studio decided to go with Hall's design, but um, fear not, because in 1941, when the Wolfman is made with Lon Chaney Jr., the director's design actually is used on that. And that 
I don't know. What do you guys think? I think the Wolfman is what I saw for our Universal Monsters episode. Um, I saw Werewolf of London for this. And um, it's again like, oh, no, they went to Tibet where there's like crazy fucked up shit going on and little creatures bite you because you're finding flowers. I swear to God, people in the 30s were like, plants are fucking crazy. Uh, There's magic everywhere. Yeah. It, they weren't they weren't just worried about plants <laughs> they were worried about foreigners uh which is real like really bad it's funny this is another thing i i feel like this you know hopefully this episode is not too much of a uh, just a full-on commercial for your book but i find your book so fascinating uh and it's written Thank in you. such a way and I, allow me to take a moment to just talk you up i i went to film school i read a lot of academic books about film and they're trust me a lot of them are very very dry um but I, one of the things I love about reading about cultural history film books is, especially the way you wrote it, is it's so readable. And so I think even if you're not a film student, this is an easy book to go up. If you're interested in the subject of werewolves on film or horror movies in general, like go out by Phases of the Moon. It's such an addicting read. And I I mean, I finished it in like a day and a half. Um Okay, speed reader. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's 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 well worth it. And um but anyways, I digress. Uh, you mentioned in the book, uh, you know, it's important to look at. And uh, I've been on other podcasts where I talked about Universal Monsters. and I actually got in trouble because I was talking about how when you analyze these things, it's important to take in all of the information you can. And I talked about James Whale and queer readings of Frankenstein. And that was apparently not popular with the audience. Uh, <laughs> I digress. In this, you talk about the the writer of Werewolf of London and, and how... If you look at his later works, you see how incredibly Orientalist uh, he truly was, and so it's it's not just it's not just Werewolf of London. It's not like an isolated incident that that it's it's got a very heavy anti um, Asian. No, yeah. no. So it was it was um, written by somebody who was American but raised in Japan, um, and I think a lot of his work uh, the shanghai gesture and so on and so forth um are uh, they're all very orientalist and they're all they're all quite fearful of immigration and of uh, of the east and meeting the west and yeah. uh, and werewolf of london is it's a very important werewolf movie because it's the first sound werewolf film and it sets kind of the template going forward for how werewolf films will develop from that point but i think in terms of its politics yeah it's not a yeah. film to be celebrated i don't think it's very much about going to Tibet, bringing something evil back, that evil then having the, right. you know, having the potential to spread and contaminate and... Um, right. Especially like high society, I, kind of stuffy, you know, like, genteel... Uh, yes. Yeah, that's the thing. It's definitely... He's definitely not... <laughs> sounds ridiculous. He's definitely not a werewolf of the people. <laughs> like, like, no, no, um, no. In fact, the, the lower classes in that movie are kind of presented as, like, comedy and humor like oh yeah. no he's messing up that room in there and yeah <laughs> like, you know. it's, it's it's funny what you say about the plant as well because there is that line of dialogue when yes. uh, a really genteel english woman is shown a plant that's been imported to britain she says fancy bringing a thing like that into christian english yes right um and the thing with that is it's just an extension of the themes of the rest of the movie that someone has gone to tibet brought something back in this case werewolfism right um and and you know fancy bringing something like that into christian england it's very much about the fear of stepping <laughs> outside of the western world and what might happen to you if you do in this movie they introduce the idea of things about werewolves that we will see over and over again obviously the moon 
Like when yeah. the moon comes out, the transformation happens. Um, Wolfsbane, um, which, you know, is all, like there are movies that get really loosey goosey with like how Wolfsbane works or should affect a werewolf. Um, I don't think Silver is introduced in this. No, that's that no. ends up being the, the wolf man. Though some people claim loosely based on the whole um, Beast of Javadan thing, but it really seems like Silver is mostly uh, a creation of Kurt Sattemark. Um, and his writing when it comes to the Wolfman. Well, there's some history for it in kind of vampire legends yes. and, yeah, yeah. And, and, were, and werewolf folklore, yeah. but in terms of solidifying it in the minds of people in pop culture, then yes, it's, it's the top of the cane in the Wolfman. Yeah. Um, Kurt Mark saw Blade and was like, oh, I'll do that. <laughs> there, there, yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to mention Lon Chaney Jr. for a long time is the Wolfman. Like, you know, so he he's the only actor who reprised his character in all of the movies that would come after and those you know come out through the 40s are very popular um in the 50s you know uh, <laughs> the real world got really horrifying world war ii the atomic bomb uh, there was a lot of um things that shifted horror into kind of like uh b-side um you know b-status movies it cemented its place in like as not like um, um art artistry and high filmmaking um and so a lot of the movies are kind of like schlocky kind of sci-fi i don't know if there's anything that stands out for you guys in this decade but i wanted to mention 1957's i was a teenage werewolf which i think is one of the most important werewolf movies ever made really because it sets the, the the template for that kind of teen wolf film that then recurs and recurs and recurs i think without without i was a teenage werewolf we don't get to teen wolf we don't get to ginger snap so it's a very important movie we don't get to um hello twilight the most iconic and <laughs> no, no no very true <laughs> uh, but i also think the werewolf from 1956 is a really uh, interesting right. film as well in terms of showing the kind of metaphorical adaptability of werewolves um it's a film where somebody is in, injected with radioactive wolf's blood mm-hmm. uh, as an as an attempt to uh, inoculate him against radiation, uh, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. And basically, it turns him into a werewolf mutant. Uh, it's uh, so a completely different origin for where werewolves come from. He's it's a Spider-Man, kind of but werewolves. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it's uh, using werewolves for the Atomic Age, which I think is really interesting. No, yeah, I was so- I was actually going to mention that too because I actually I actually really liked that movie because it presented such a different werewolf for its time period and it, it gets rid of like almost every thing that you're used to when it comes to werewolf he's he's not you know in, in a way he's got the incredible hulk like he gets angry and he turns into a werewolf has nothing to do with the moon he can be killed like any other person right. there's no limitations to that and like you were saying the the fear of the atomic age is such a big thing when it comes to 50s sci-fi and mm-hmm. horror films and to see it used in a way that early on, uh, because I think, you know, stuff, certain things come later with vampires and the, the sci-fi element. But the for to be so early on for werewolves to be like, well, we could take this this fear that people have had for a very long time and and adapt it to the thing that they're afraid of currently i it's a kind of a brilliant use and also stephen rich uh who plays the werewolf i gotta say is is very good there's a there's a scene where he's like begging his family to leave him because he doesn't know what he'll do to them please darling do as i say if it should come back while you're still here that's the way you'll always remember me it would never be any good, even if I did come home. 
and obviously that's a it's a very similar thing you'll find throughout all of werewolf movies it's you know the innocence they don't want to hurt people you mentioned that in the wolfman series as it goes on and becomes more of a metaphor for uh, you know, the U.S. during the war, like the the Wolfman becomes more heroic because he's suddenly mm-hmm. uh, an American person out of his element in Europe as it goes along. And and really the, the heroic element. And so you do end up seeing a lot of werewolves that are very sad about their curse. But oh, I yeah. thought his particular take of being like, I have a wife and a child and like they need to get the fuck away from me because I will murder them if they don't. And I, I was particularly affected by his uh, performance and I've never seen him in another movie. And this was a very cheap film. So who knows what else he was ever in, but it was the B picture for earth versus the flying saucers. Yeah. So it played uh, on, on the double bill with a film that's very much about the same kind of things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he's incredibly tragic as someone who is just a sort of, innocent victim of radioactive fallout he kind of stands in for an american everyman mm-hmm. who if the bomb drops and you survive this mm-hmm. might be what happens to you afterwards you know right. um, about things happening that are beyond your control uh, and i think the, the really sad thing about that 1956 movie is that it, it was it is all completely beyond his control he's in a coma when they inject that yeah. thing into him he didn't ask and then for he just it wakes. at all yeah uh, and i think the 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 kind of incredible hulk thing as you called it that <laughs> he turns into a werewolf when he gets angry is also very interesting because it's relating to that idea of the bomb and all it takes is for somebody to hit sort of fever pitch and press the button and it's right. all over so kind of divorcing it from the moon and, and connecting it to anger and ill feeling i think works really well with that metaphor as well yeah that's really interesting and i i guess we like really skipped over you know in the wolfman lon cheney his um what's his name his name is like tal lawrence Larry talbot. talbot talbot yeah yeah he is also similarly just very he's sad he is like yeah. this fucking he's like you need i i'm going to murder this woman that i love and like it's all very like you don't know who i really am and it's kind of this like um inner struggle of you know the 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 whole theme of those movies is noble sacrifice mm. that you that you you give up everything to protect other people you know he's constantly begging for people to kill him right right <laughs> yeah. yes uh, and then and then very very sad when he comes back to life because in the wolfman movies as soon as you remove the silver that person will 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 rise from the grave so yeah it, it's it's a very tragic film about a man constantly making sacrifices for other people which is why he ends up being the hero i think and why he is one of the only actors who 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 reprises the role, yeah. right? Um, because he's then he's kind of centralized as the only kind of American monster. Yeah, in those that's films. that's a good point too, because he really becomes the literal face of that. Whereas you can kind of slap the Frankenstein make, which is not to say that anybody was as good as Karloff, in just my opinion, as mm. the monster. But like you could kind of slap the Frankenstein makeup on, and they tried with Dracula. They actually had Lon Chaney Jr. play Dracula the in Son of Dracula. He was Count Alucard. Dracula backwards, very, very smart. Um, and, um, Clever. And, uh, but, but yeah, he, he sort of becomes the face of that. And I've read other film scholars and, and listened to other film podcasts where people have really been sort of unkind about Lon Chaney Jr.'s performance, uh, as Talbot. And oh, I, I think, I think he's a great actor. I, I do think he's too. just got, I do too. He's just got, he's basically got one mode. Yes. But he's very, very good. Yep. He's very good at that one mode, which yep. is tragic and suffering. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and, like the and in like not to bring his personal life into it, but that's I mean, that's how he was as a as a person. He unfortunately died of alcoholism and uh but I think he's really fantastic in the in the Wolfman movies. So thank you for for because I I 
started to feel a little like i'm like is it me <laughs> well, he gets he gets a lot of uh, he gets a lot of flack for the the inner sanctum films during the 1940s because yes. he's playing professors and you mm, know professional mm. people who are who are not kind of blue collar and everybody associated Lon Chaney Jr. with with blue collar roles but again those characters suffer they're taken through the ringer and I don't think that anybody could play that as well as Lon Chaney could but yeah. anyway. you wouldn't want to run away with a murderer would you oh Larry you're not you know you're not I killed Bela I killed Richardson if I stay around here much longer you can't tell who's gonna be next in 1961 we get um, hammers um, the curse of the werewolf which i thought was a very bonkers movie <laughs> i was like we are going through time quickly okay and and this little spanish bastard he is cursed okay <laughs> i was like they are taking and i say spanish bastard like literally like the, the whole thing is like he is a bastard so he is cursed by the devil he was born on Christmas Day, which is bad, I guess. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I will say that I love the way that this um, wolfman looks. I think oh, yeah. he... The, mm. the real shame of the movie is that he's in 10 minutes of it. Like, by the by the yeah. time the monster shows up, it's it's like, oh, that's right. <laughs> like, if we were going to get a full werewolf at some point in the movie. I, I will... one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest torch-bearing mob scenes yes. in mm-hmm. any film. Oh, that in, in snap zoom when he's on the tower and it, like, goes yeah. from the mob to him is one of my favorite. Uh, it's funny. I, I will say uh, Oliver Reed is one of my favorite actors who I'm not, I'm not sure is a good actor, but he like makes love to the camera he is so sexy in everything that he does that it's it's he's it's impossible to take your eyes off him so like i every hammer movie where oliver reed shows up i am down for like i'm kind of getting through like 60s 70s um because i think the golden age is really the 80s but you know i'd be remiss to not mention um in the 70s there is a um a spanish series that kicks off hombre lobo Um, which I think spans 12 films, um, which is very interesting. Um, Also, (laughs) I saw 1974's The Beast Must Die, and I was like, okay, the 70s were alive and well. I... I fucking love The Beast Must Die. The Beast Must Die is a party film through and through, let me tell you. It is is a parlor mystery, and, and I will say, I love... And, and maybe I'm in the minority. I love a good werewolf mystery. And th- I mean, that's we have games based on that nowadays, you know, like that people yeah. play like who is the werewolf. And but I love when you have like seven, eight characters in a room and it's like one of you is a werewolf. <laughs> like, right. Nothing will ever beat the werewolf break. The film that literally stops to ask you to consider who the werewolf is <laughs> before you find out the werewolf itself is actually an Alsatian spray painted black. Correct. I mean, what more could... What more could you want? This is the werewolf break. Have you guessed who the werewolf is? I know that you guys really like this movie, but it's got some of the worst day for night shooting oh, I've ever seen. Horrible. Genuinely horrible. Like, I did not like this movie. I did not like this movie. Let me be clear. <laughs> Gavin I was yeah, Gavin was sold on it. I was like, send her I, back. I have a I have a specific um just a specific love of of that sort of camp. Anytime that you get the scene where they're passing the the silver candlestick around because Peter Cushing has told them that even a molecule of silver will reveal the werewolf. And they go to hand it to Charles Gray and he just goes, oh, I loathe party games. What am I supposed to do? Like, <laughs> yes. Like, but also, this this is the movie where they're like, let's just make some shit up. Um, well, there was no wolf spin in the air, so ha ha ha. It didn't really... 
actually <laughs> playing um, playing some fast and loose with some right roles. very loosey goosey. It's, it's, uh, it's a really interesting time for British horror this because Amicus and Hammer are scrambling for what's going to sell, and so you've got Hammer doing things like Dracula AD nineteen seventy two, bringing <laughs> d- bringing Dracula into the seventies. Mm-hmm. Well, you can like um, feel all of that energy running through this movie. It's also interesting. They said werewolf but make it just a wolf this is not like yeah. wolfman situation it's mm-hmm. and, and that's always it, my least it's an favorite. yeah it's an that's, you you prefer full wolf no no Kevin? i my least favorite type of werewolf is when it's full, full. wolf yeah. even though yeah. there are some movies i enjoy but i'm always just in my heart of hearts a little disappointed when i and i'm like oh it's just just a wolf I'd say because on one hand, it means that there's none of the awesome special effects we're all looking for in a werewolf right, movie. And correct. on the other hand, those wolves are quite often not treated very well. I know. So uh, we'll, the, we'll talk about wolfing in a moment. <laughs> well, at the, at the start of uh, Cry of the Werewolf, 1944 film, there's a wolf snarling when the, uh, the the title card comes up. And you can see that that wolf has got rubber bands wrapped around oh, its yes. to make to make it snarl. Uh, yeah, it's it's I, grim. I, that's, so. This is also the first movie that I saw um, in the timeline of uh, dogs fighting werewolves in movies. Like yes. that, that happens a couple mm-hmm. more times, and I'm always just like, how they? I don't want to know how they got the dogs to fight with them. And it probably wasn't great. And so it, yeah, attached on to like the idea that like some movies just like had back in the day they didn't give a fuck. I mean, even as late as like ten years ago, they were not fucking treating animals right. In yeah. films and I'm, I just, mm. it makes me feel not great um, I, I will say mm. before we move in because i know you're like speeding towards the 80s and you're right like the 80s is really sort of transformative um pun intended for the werewolf film <laughs> um, but i do want to also give a plug i'm glad you brought up uh cry of the werewolf and i do want to give a plug for um 1961's lycanthropus which i didn't know about until your book as well which is an mm-hmm. italian film um and is very much a, a like like who is the Wolfman movie, but and, and then mm-hmm. like midway through you find out. But uh, it also starts in Europe this sort of sexual nature mm. with werewolves in a way that we're not. We pretty much go from I was a teenage werewolf till nothing till the seventies, and so like during that time period, what's filling in is the these European films that um, s- sort of delve more into the psychosexual nature of werewolves. Yeah, so you've got the the stuff in the seventies from europe which is largely about the sexual revolution and the kind of uh the the tensions between sex and love and where those two things sit and you've got a lot of werewolves that can only be saved by love Mm -hmm. um, and any lustful behavior is something to be punished so the curse of the werewolf for example or a lot of the voldemar daninsky movies the paul the paul nashi movies in spain um but you've also got the american films in the 70s as well the boy who cried werewolf from werewolves on wheels um, and the werewolf of Washington, the three the three of what I think are the most like obviously politically engaged werewolf movies ever made. Um, even if they are admittedly somewhat daft, um, they are uh, uh, very 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 interesting on a on a political level. And actually, I think Werewolves on Wheels is a really really serious film. Yes, mm. uh, despite the fact that it was marketed as this kind of exploitation B movie, it's really bleak. I, I really did. I, did either of you watch that one? I did. I, I was going to say. I think the thing that maybe holds it back a tiny bit is the cheapness of it, which is a, it has mm. very lofty goals for. But it, but the stuff that works, a lot of it comes from you know what's like because you mentioned that the opening sequence is almost shot for shot Easy Rider. It's really nihilistic, isn't yeah. it? Because you could read it one way, and what it's telling you to conform, or or you could kind of read it that it's about 
the fact that both this gang so it's about a, a sort of werewolf biker gang but they only become a biker gang a werewolf biker gang because they're cursed by a bunch of satanic monks mm. and i think the the film ultimately doesn't like either of those yeah. two groups um it's kind of uh and this is one of the reasons why i like halloween kills because i think it does something similar it basically comes down to the point that america is tearing itself apart and there is no answer um, i mean the, and, I, and that, that that's bleak as shit yeah. so and also our reality <laughs> um uh, i do i do the boy who cried werewolf i did actually really like as well too and that's that's another fun, but i love that it like i was not expecting it to take its like it's called the boy who cried werewolf and it's basically the boy who cried wolf i was not expecting it to take it to that level that it's literally like a child running around telling everybody hey my dad's a werewolf he's murdering people and everybody's like it's such a cute kid yeah kids whatever and that also has a has a pretty bleak ending and one of those endings where when it stops you're kind of finally like oh what 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 do i have to make of that like like um well i think uh, all three of those films in the 70s have got extremely bleak endings yeah um despite even even the werewolf of washington which is for the most part yeah for the most part a comedy but the end of the end of it is is really really bleak um and that's why i think it kind of sits with the last house on the left and texas chainsaw and night of the living dead um it's got we- they've got werewolves in them so they're not as well respected but i think they've got they've got similar things to say you know around like the collapse of the family kind of the counterculture yeah the i mean division. that was like but- vietnam war going on like that was, mm-hmm. the horror was real commander salmon tells me that in uh in your case, or let's say that in in this case, the existence of a werewolf has not been verified. So how could you be a werewolf? Hmm? Well, sir, Isabel. Okay, so I've heard, and I want to hear what you guys think. 1981 is the greatest year for the werewolf movie. <laughs> is, um, I, I, yeah, that, yeah. I was gonna say. I, I yeah. feel like that's hard to argue. Um. We get the Howling Wolfen and, of course, the classic American Werewolf in London. Um, and and um, Full Moon High. Let's yes. not forget Full Moon High. Um, Larry, Larry Cohen's weird teen wolf comedy. Okay, we, <laughs> doesn't, we, we, quite sit, doesn't quite sit with the others. <laughs> but, yeah. And also, I was, people um, are not... There are some folks who say Wolfen is not a werewolf movie. Including me, which is why it's not in the book. But I will say, an American Werewolf in, in London... Um, I had never seen and I was like talk about a film who fucking sticks a landing visually it's stunning you know the story is like pretty like tight and compact um it's kind of very cl- I love the idea that there's a fucking like little town out there that's like shut the fuck up about the werewolves like don't <laughs> talk about the- who the fuck are you Americans get the fuck out of here like don't ask about the bloody star on the wall okay like we don't talk about that I love the American werewolf in London I will say that is a film that as like as the years go on, and, and this is an unpopular opinion, I'm aware, my appreciation for it kind of wanes. Um, mm. I, I like um, the special effects, obviously. I mean, it's ugh, like impossible not to like the special effects in that movie. They're, they're bonkers. It's so good. I think it's a very confused film about in terms of like, is it funny? <laughs> Does that movie make me laugh when it's supposed to? I don't know. Um I don't yeah. think it like to me, and I know people describe it as like this horror comedy. I think it's like to me it feels more like horror realism. Like these are just normal guys, and so they are gonna like fuck around with each other in a way that like to the parallel of an American 
um, werewolf in Paris were like, those are not real human beings. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, these are not guys who are palling around. This is like what some fucking studio executive thinks guys who are friends talk to each other about. Like, and so I wasn't like, LOL. But like, yeah, it's like, motherfucker, why are we out here in the fucking rain walking around? And like, you know, I, I th- that to me, it felt grounded in reality i think it's something that both american wealth and the howling do they kind of dispense with a lot of the gothic trappings of the yeah. previous films i think and it's about ordinary people being confronted with the absurd right um i think that's where a lot of the a lot of the humor in american werewolf comes from is that you know what do you do when you realize that you are becoming a werewolf and that makes no fucking sense right <laughs> and also like the um, idea that like he so is this also the movie that introduces the idea that if you get killed by a werewolf you become an undead revenant or some shit yeah this is the, the I, yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah. is that because that kind of like also we see later in life and it's like well i can't die quote unquote until like we kill the the guy who whatever um but like i love i loved him going to the like um porn theater or whatever and like you know the idea of talking to his friend being like in the ways that the wolfman is about like you know i I, someone kill me please it's like the reality in the 80s or and being like could you kill yourself could you kill yourself and your best friend saying like man i'm really sorry but you need to kill yourself yeah it needs to stop because it, the victims of your carnivorous yeah. lunar activities. Yeah, and, and like, yeah. I mean that's an interesting start to what people often refer to as the me generation. You know, the people mm-hmm. born in the eighties, born out of the eighties, because it's like he's neither enjoying his time as a werewolf, which you will see later. I I feel in other films, nor is he like ready to to be like, well, gotta end it. You know, right. And especially it's like, it, I love the idea of like, no, I can control who I am. I am in charge of my bot. I have like autonomy over who I am and who I get to be. And I am the one in charge. It, it is about, you know, what I can do to, um, you know, beat this thing. Like, what is the cure? All this. And it's like, no, bud, like, look at my fucked up face. What shall I do? Suicide. You must take your own life. That's easy for you to say you're you're already dead. This movie wins the inaugural Academy Award for Best Makeup. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Which I did not know, which is very cool. Um, and it, yeah, I, I like that. Just like, what, Gavin? What, no, I was Gavin? just thinking to myself, I bet you Joe Dante's always like, fuck you. Whatever that gets. <laughs> yeah, because Rick, Rick Baker was supposed to make the werewolves for the howling and then ended up going and doing American Werewolf because he'd promised John Landis he was going to do it years <laughs> earlier. Although I really, really like the werewolves in, in The Howling. Oh, I think uh, the more, werewolves... More so, yeah. more so than the werewolf in American Werewolf in London. I love I love the, the werewolves in The Howling. The They're Howling contains my, my maybe my favorite scene with a werewolf ever, which is when he when she's looking through the files and the werewolf just takes the file from her. <laughs> it's the <laughs> best... It's literally the best thing I, I've ever seen in a werewolf movie because it's just like... I'll be taking this. Thank you. Thank and I you. love that transformation scene because it's all shot in uh, Joe Dante's office because yes. they've run out of money. And it's all shot in close up. And it's got that great line I want to give you a piece of my mind. And Eddie Quist pulls a bullet out of his own head uh, before the transformation starts. Yeah, I, I, I love that. The howling is, for me, not 
well, it kind of ties from my favourite werewolf ever made, but I think it's the, sorry, werewolf film ever made, but I think it's the greatest werewolf film ever made. It's it's funny, and this might be apocryphal, but I believe that was an improv by Robert Picardo as well, the I Give You mm-hmm. Peace of My Mind, um, and mm-hmm. who apparently was very upset about that. Like, he was like, I've been on Broadway and I'm, I, you know, I just, I just went to film school. And I'm a fucking rapist werewolf in a movie, but I, his performance is really great and he's just a fantastic. And then he ends actor. up being in, he ends up being in pretty much every Joe Dante right. movie. So yeah, you know, and he's, he's uh, it's, start, it's the start of a, a wonderful friendship. <laughs> um, and it's also so that's all 1981, and like it's the start of a Renaissance Golden Age for werewolf movies. Um, I have a list here of things that I saw. I'm sure you guys can jump on in. Um, Gavin texted me specifically. He said, you need to watch Monster Squad because I just love Monster Squad. I do love um, Monster Squad. And uh, Monster Squad, I was I was going online, seeing what people were saying about movies. And someone was like, Monster Squad, unfortunately, isn't scary or funny. And I'm like, this is for children. Right. I was like, <laughs> and it is delightful. <laughs> Disney I, Channel original movies wishes. Okay. Well, because under- it, it, some people really don't understand that whole period in the mid 80s yeah. when when there were horror films that were being made for f- family viewing yes <laughs> gremlins this gremlins is like a perfect this squad. is a perfect movie for like 13 mm-hmm. year olds you know and like because it, it's it's cool like these kids are cool um they're like don't understand like what sex is when that bitch she, she was like what i'm a virgin yeah i was like no I know. I know. And then they make that little baby girl do the thing. I was like, oh, my God. Um, and um, one thing I love about the werewolf in Monster Squad, we don't have to talk about it too much because it's really not a movie specifically about a werewolf. But I think he's maybe one of the saddest screen werewolves. He's yeah. he's absolutely mm-hmm. against his will, constantly screaming at people to lock him up if people would just listen to him. Uh, the scene where he calls the main character's father to warn him he's like dracula's gonna kill your kid as he's like spitting out mucus and turning into a werewolf um but also i recently watched it because i wanted to rewatch it for this um with people and they were affronted by the fact that you could blow this werewolf up and still not kill him but it had to be a silver <laughs> bullet and i was like i was like no it it has their rules yeah <laughs> and that's that's how it works and that's like the the best part i remember when i watched it like, at the beginning, they're like, what's the second way to kill a werewolf? And it's like, oh, wait, there's no fucking way. And so the callback of the <laughs> yes. blowing him up and then him coming together and they're like, no, bitch, that there is no way. Um, also, the iconic line, uh, Wolfman has nards. Like, yes. Iconic. Oh, absolutely. That, that's like, that's canon. Kick him in the nards! Kick him in the nards! He doesn't have nards! Go in, go in! <laughs> Wolfman's got nards! You, you seem to have very a lot of feelings about Silver Bullet. I do. I mean, I, I love Silver Bullet. I think um, American Werewolf and, and the Howling kind of kick off the body horror stuff in the 80s. So like that kind of the big monstrous werewolf, the horrible transformations. And I think that does, as, as, as Gavin was saying at the start, it kind of relates to the kind of Reagan era's obsession with bodies and disease. And mm. I think there's a lot, a lot to counterbalance that in terms of how those films deal with mental health. So you've got the the ghouls coming back to say you need to commit suicide you need to kill yourself and uh david in that film is 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 much more happy to accept that he's insane yes than turning it than turning into a monster which i think is really interesting in terms of thinking about mental and physical health in that era but silver bullet for me is the quintessential kind of deconstruction of the reagan era through a werewolf movie i mean there are there are many many films in the many horror films in the 80s that are kind of anti-reagan in fact 
a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in terms of but in terms of Deservedly um, so. The werewolf film that deconstructs the Reagan era. Uh, yeah, Silver Bullet is by far how how much do you do spoilers on this show? We can do spoilers, but also okay. like this movie came out in nineteen eighty like four. Relax. Yeah, you've had time. Yeah. You've had time. Um, but yeah, so this is a film in which a small, quiet town, Tarkas Mills, Maine, uh, is attacked by a werewolf who turns out to be their local priest. Yes, and I fucking um, knew it from and... the beginning. I said, <laughs> I said, there's something wrong with him. I mean, anytime you cast that actor whose name escapes me at the moment, but uh, Everett McGill, Everett McGill, anytime you cast him, it's it's sort of like casting Ed Harris in a movie. It's like, oh, he's the villain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think the the great thing about it is that the town divides in terms of how they want to deal with this. Some of them go for kind of mob justice. Others put it in the hands of the police. And ultimately, no one is able to solve this problem except a young child because the young child kind of exists outside of this society and this, you know, the kind of conservative rules of the society that that everybody else exists in. And he's the only one who can destroy it. Um, And I think the, the, the greatest scene in that movie is that dream sequence where the whole town transforms in the church. while amazing grace Mm-hmm. is being sung by the congregation. Yeah. It's just one of the kind of greatest deconstructions of America in a sequence I think I've ever seen. Oh. Reverend, he was torn apart! <sighs> no! We briefly talked about Teen Wolf, which I think kind of like launches uh, werewolves into, you know, younger popular imagination this is a friendly wolf this is a wolf that's not um you know murdering this is a wolf because um his dad is a wolf and we're just werewolves and um sometimes it skips a generation yeah you're we're we're growing up and uh uh and he becomes cool and popular and so in teen wolf there it's literally just like he can i don't want to say hulk out but like he can transform at will the most interesting thing about teen wolf to me is the idea that like you know there's the girl who's clearly in love with him but when he becomes you know he finds out he's uh, this teen wolf he can use it like whenever he wants and then realizes you know kind of like oh do i even like this part of me is this like the real me and and she there's a moment when she says she's like i'll go to the problem with you if it's you and not the wolf and he's like this the the classic teen uh ya angst of like do i pick popularity or do, am i gonna stay true to myself um and then also just finding the balance of like you know obviously the wolf is a part of him and the dad bitch spider-man hello with power comes responsibility i feel like that is <laughs> said in this movie right an explanation is probably long overdue an explanation jesus christ dad an explanation look at me Look at you. It's not as bad as it looks. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Dad. I mean, you knew about this? You knew about this and you didn't tell me? I was hoping I wouldn't have to. Sometimes it skips a generation. I was hoping it would pass you by. Well, Dad, it didn't pass me by. It landed on my face. It's it's a it's a movie about what it means to be a man. Yes. Right? It's about mm-hmm. masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's specifically about masculinity in the eighties, but it, it kind of it extends beyond that, I think. And, um 
specifically about toxic masculinity yes. yeah i think and and you mentioned um, in your book it, it does a really good job until like maybe the last 10 minutes of rejecting a well, lot the of problem that. With, the problem with team wolf and team wolf 2 is they have to win at the right. end yeah. they have to win yeah. exactly you know? they, yeah. because it's a it's a hollywood you can't have you, the, know, you can't have the rocky ending comedy where they they refuse yeah. to wolf out and then they lose and then you know everybody would turn against them and i i understand that but you're right it it creates kind of a, a mixed message and all of that um because the film says one thing and then the end say but you still need to be good at sport right yeah, right right know? so yeah it's uh they're, they're interesting endings I'm when like, really wow, the audience crazy. just is interested in surfing on top of a van hello mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like the speaker must be bumping for him to be you know <laughs> doing a uh, surfing usa i also wanted to mention company of wolves uh yes. which is i don't know a fucking fever dream of <laughs> like theater and film it's i i really liked company of wolves it's weird because like it it kind of vacillates between like there is some like aggressive like the transformations like it's really gnarly when the guy's like ripping his face off that's why also like sometimes the body transforms into the wolf other times fucking bursts out tears out yeah Mm -hmm. um no metaphor there (laughs) right no um i think the thing is like for a film that's so like narratively is all over the place and very surreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think thematically, it's it's very straightforward. Yes. It's about sex, blood, and changing into something monstrous, yes. essentially. So I think it's very mid-80s in that regard. <laughs> Zooming a little ahead to the 90s, um, we get Wolf with Jack Nicholson in 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, we breezed over that in our Michelle Pfeiffer episode. That's because I was the only one who'd watched it. <laughs> well, guess what, bitch? I watched this for this episode. Um, a, Jack Nicholson a, a werewolf pissing. movie that's really about publishing. You know, <laughs> in the yeah. 90s, the, the book publishing world was cutthroat was and cut high th- stakes. OK, <laughs> the only way you could get ahead was by marking your territory, literally pissing on James Spader, yeah, by, yeah. <laughs> which um, on his shoes specifically. Oh, well, yeah. I was going to say, based on what we know about James Spader, probably into it. Just oh. <laughs> well, there is that. Um, I think Jack Nicholson's a very good wolf man is, is what I'm going to say. Oh, he was born to be a werewolf, yes. yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Um, I, the first werewolf film I ever saw. Really? Oh, really? Uh, the first the first feature-length werewolf movie I ever saw when I was nine or ten years old. A friend of mine had it on VHS along with Bram Stoker's Dracula and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, you, I think. You talked about... Yeah, um, yeah. Did you go to Gavin's uh, house? Like, Jesus. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, I watched Wolf. I then borrowed the tape. I didn't give it back for about ten years. Wow! Um, and it was it was Wolf that kind of started my obsession with watching as many werewolf movies as possible. So yeah, very I, cool. I do, love, I do love that movie. I, yeah. I like um, the the drawback on the makeup, and I like that. I mean, I part mm-hmm. of me thinks that it is just a Hollywood like it's Jack Nicholson. You want him to look like Jack Nicholson sort of but i i like that because that feels and i know it's during that cycle when everybody was doing you know you have francis Ford coppola's bram stokes dracula and and kenneth branagh's mary shelley's frankenstein and so it's definitely part of that like return to the gothic sort of it's like prestige horror yeah 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 Um, but but i do like that i will say though and and i one of the things I like about Jack Nicholson in this movie, and I know I'm in the minority of this, I love The Shining, but my problem with The Shining is that he's never not insane. Um, he seems crazy from the moment. that. The, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I like about Wolf is he Jack Nicholson is actually giving a performance that you believe that he's going from slightly more mild-mannered to um, something more animalistic. We all need some money. I've got about $1,000 in my wallet. How much would you like to borrow? Five dollars, ten. Cut the bullshit and give me the wallet. 
this movie also introduces like, hold on, I'm a wolf now and I can smell things. Um, and my senses are heightened. It's crazy. I was like, okay, fun with that. Well, there's some of that. There's some of that sensory stuff in Team Wolf. I was going to say, but, but, yeah, but it it's the fact that it's at the other end of the spectrum, isn't it? Where you've got a teenager turning into a werewolf versus uh, a guy who's nearing retirement, right. and it's kind of giving <laughs> right. him, giving him, giving him back his virility and yes. his youth. Right. And again, it's again, it's about that toxic masculinity stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, but specifically here, framed in the kind of corporate world, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. do you do you piss on James Spader's shoes or do you try and work things out in a little right. bit less of a violent way i watched bad moon from 96 um mm. which the the opening sequence i was like okay here we fucking go <laughs> i was like imagine just being attacked by a werewolf like mid coitus yeah that just seems bad <laughs> um not great i love the werewolf in that movie i love the werewolf it's, okay in that film. so did i, I, I this is another area where i've read a lot of negative stuff about and i think mostly it's the bad the real quick bad cg transformation that occurs very late in the film oh yeah but for the, for the rest of the film they've got this amazing animatronic yeah yep. werewolf so good that's... and and i do agree with the director of that movie it's a it's a werewolf movie from a, a point of view that you you don't get and obviously like the book that it's based off of is written specifically from the dog thor's perspective and the movie does away with a lot of that but i think the relate like it's it's kind of a love story between a werewolf and a dog you know? like, yeah. that dog fighting also, him in the end oh, yeah rough. That looks rough. <laughs> it also continues that thing from the boy who cried werewolf which then comes back in several later films which is about kind of older werewolves passing down mm, the curse mm-hmm. potentially to younger children yeah, right, and, uh, right. about those kind of generational inheritance of of awful behavior basically um, and michael um, pare who like i think he does a lot in that movie uh, especially because Muriel Hemingway is not doing a lot in that movie, and <laughs> I, I don't want to like. I, I actually kind of like. I'm a Meryl lawyer, Hemingway. actually. So yes, exactly. Think about that. <laughs> exactly. That was that was a line for line reading. You perfectly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Don't you know anything about werewolves? I know you turn into one if you get bit by one, but the full moon part. Maybe there's different kinds of werewolves, but it's been my experience that anyone will do the trick. Werewolf-wise. Have you ever met a werewolf? I've been acquainted with a few in my time. It's wild that the next year an American Werewolf from Paris comes out, and they are tonally so different. Not that they, like, need to be, but, like, American Werewolf from Paris said, okay, rock and roll is bad, leather on everyone, jumping off the Eiffel Tower at... <laughs> no and on top of that the werewolves look like shit like th- yeah th- th- they said cgi here we come um big cg we- energy Were rats <laughs> is what the but vibe the, so but I- but the first sort of organized criminal werewolf pack oh right yeah. yes which we uh, which you know is gonna we're gonna see um again uh, like an underworld you know like a lot mm-hmm. of like cabals of werewolves who just like want to <laughs> fuck like they're also like uh, implicitly but pretty obviously implicitly neo-nazis yes. yeah. yeah yeah all with the uh, shaved head all with that and it's mm-hmm. it's funny you you mentioned this uh too in your book and i'm just gonna keep saying that that's gonna be in my catchphrase for the episode about how it's very funny that it's like an american film where it's like <laughs> neo-nazis are a european problem mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, it's like yeah. uh 
read the room, guys. It's, it's really close in pro- it's really close in proximity to American History X yeah. and Pariah and all those kind of '90s movies that are dealing with uh, neo-Nazism in America and then American Wealth in Paris. Just kind of no, skinheads are in France. Don't yeah. worry about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they're werewolves. And they're werewolves. Um, Poor Julie it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting that they are quite clearly fascist in, in right. one way or another, but who they want to kill is Americans. Right. Yes. Moving on. In 2000, we get Ginger Snaps, which fucking rocked my world. I, I agree with you that academically, it's probably one of the most discussed horror movies, but I think it deserves, deserves its place. I genuinely really like that movie, and I know that it is maybe overexposed when it comes to academic readings and, and all the thought that's been put into it. But I, I don't know. I, th- I think it kind of deserves that. I mean, I'll say I never heard of this fucking movie before. So <laughs> it's a tiny little Canadian movie, um, and but like I was like, okay, Jennifer's body. Like a lot of the movies that we've seen, obviously, were about uh, you know the, the the nature of man and like the wild, the lust, and all that. And like putting that through the feminist lens, this movie is like very clear um, what it's going for. And it's I will say the wig parade in this movie is a little rough, <laughs> uh, but. I really enjoyed it. They said no CGI, so we're doing like a lot of um Yeah, actual makeup transformation. Slimy, and, yeah. Yeah. Um but you know, like getting into the aughts, like it was the fight between like, you know, there was indie stuff, but then there was also like more blockbustery stuff. Uh, you know, in 03 we got Underworld and like I don't know how many matter of movies they made of that. Um the, I will say Underworld was the girly that said lichens those werewolves we don't have those they're lichens actually um (laughs) well that's i mean i i will i will say during the 2000s it just sort of does feel like there's a big rejection of like the term the werewolf we're like we're not gonna do that and so like you also get things like skinwalkers which is the world's i I don't know if it's the world's longest cw pilot or the world's shortest movie (laughs) like yeah but it kind of fits with zombies as well you know the the, the munches or whatever yeah trying, trying to find another 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 way of referring to classic monsters which i don't really see why people right. need yeah. to do ghouls yeah. <laughs> yeah um but I, it, like in 2003 2004 like it, that was just the vibe like edgy fucking yeah. uh fairy tale shit so we get van helsing if i'm missing anything let me know but i want to jump ahead i mean 2008 like twilight like <sighs> trash but you know Again, like really popularized fucking vampires and werewolves. Um, these werewolves are um, Native American werewolves, and they are just wolves, but enormous, um, and that's their thing. Um, and also, they can smell babies or some shit. I don't know. Um, in 2010, they tried to reboot the Wolfman with Benicio del Toro. Um, this movie, <laughs> I was like, which I actually think I think is better than people give it credit for. But... I, I think this movie. I was like. They brought Emily Blunt in just to be fucked by everybody. They said the old man wants to fuck her, the brother, the other brother. I was like, name a woman. Name a woman. (laughs) My dear fellow, I wish I could tell you that the tragedy that has beset your life was over. But I'm afraid the darkest hours of hell lie before you. I don't think they'll kill you, Lawrence. But they will blame you. Beast will have its day. The beast will out. And like now we're getting to like kind of uh, you know very recent uh, history um, things that have come out. I saw late phases, um, Wolf Cop, which I thought was very stupid and fun. Um, the only time I've seen um, a wolf dick transformation is what I'll say. Um, <laughs> and don't like, you feel better? 
I feel great about it. I feel yeah. great about it. The, the filmmaker said, you know what? His dick needs to explode out of his pants. Um, and I said, wow, that is commitment. Um, I wish I would have seen Howl, 2015's Howl. Um, I saw the trailer and I was like, this looks fun. Um, yeah. I, lo- I love a good spooky train movie. <laughs> Howl, Howl is great in a, in a way, like, fits that sort of, like, people trapped in a... Um, in an area and then yeah, yeah. And not necessarily like who is the werewolf because they know what the werewolves are. Uh, I liked particularly your announce analysis, Craig, about uh, classism in it, which I mean, I think is pretty clear, but also like you went really deep into it in a, in a, a movie that most people I think probably haven't seen because it is such a small film uh, or at least in the US. I don't know how well it played overseas, but uh, it's but, inter- it's interesting, isn't it? Because it got quite a few festival screenings and then just kind of. Yeah went away Plateaued. but um it's it, yeah it's an interesting film in terms of kind of putting a microcosm of british class society in a train and then attacking them with by having them be attacked by werewolves who are kind of this emaciated underfed yeah uh breed of breed of werewolves who live out in the forest slowly turning into wolf mutant creatures and much more human uh, looking than a lot of other werewolf movies um yeah i mean i think that's maybe maybe why it hasn't got as good a reputation as it might have had is that people people like a snouty werewolf, like, <laughs> um, but the, and the werewolves in 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 Howl are very much designed to fit with the theme in mind, I think, rather than just to kind of entertain in, on a horror level. Um, it seems, but yeah, that's a that's a really interesting film that not enough people have seen. It I seems think. like you know, after Twilight ended um, and Wolfman really didn't take off, werewolves have kind of like lost popularity I, you know werewolves within came out this year which was like fun um felt very you know the, the humor is very like of the time if it's very specific um but like there hasn't been really any you know I, unless am i missing anything i would like, disagree yeah okay is, is gavin gonna disagree for me <laughs> the other ones i wanted to mention were the the fourth wave feminist werewolf movies that you bring up in your book the um mm-hmm. when animals dream um wildling and there was one other uh that i can't think of at female the werewolf is the name of that yeah film. female werewolf yeah. um i unfortunately didn't get to watch a lot of them but i watched wildling uh because i actually just really love Liv Tyler and um, Brad Dorff. <laughs> but mm-hmm. so it was easy sell for me. Uh, and I really liked it. And I was shocked to go on Letterboxd and find it absolutely savaged by most of the people who have seen it, which makes me really bummed out because I think it's actually a, a very good and and in a way, like like you mentioned about I, I love Ginger Snaps, but you're right. In the end of Ginger Snaps, the, the message gets a little mixed because it's about suppressing the beast. And and like if if the metaphor is, you know, when you when you mature mature into a woman you, yeah yeah that yeah. then the suppression fights against that and wildling's message is like no you know what and and the same thing with when animals dream as well i think they 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 they're very keen on the kind of she wolves at the center of the narrative being allowed to be werewolves it's it's a it's a kind of sense of um emancipation instead of monstrosity you know know, there are forces that are trying to force them to suppress their instincts and they fight against that and the films kind of endorse that that rebellion um which i yes i think the reading of ginger snaps in the book is potentially the most contentious part of the book (laughs) people do love people do love ginger snaps and um I, i love it too i just kind of see some things in it that i 
think have been done a little bit better in in movies since but the interesting thing about wildling is that a lot of those reviews are based on people reading it as anti-feminist which yes i don't i don't necessarily understand i mean did they watch the same film that i did I yeah know. i don't i don't quite get it either actually i think there's a little bit of a kind of a werewolf renaissance going on okay um but but a lot of these are quite low budget films that kind of get seen on the festival circuit and maybe don't break out to a, a huge audience so there's a canadian film called bloodthirsty which is really, really good and really worth watching. And although I didn't get time, well, I actually hadn't seen it when I submitted the book, but it's another film that continues that kind of fourth wave feminist approach to the werewolf. Um, there is a movie called Blood Moon, which was part of the Blumhouse Into the Dark series. Oh, That's really okay. interesting. That's really interesting because it uses the werewolf as a race metaphor, which you don't see very often in cinema. Right. Um, there is a French film called Teddy. There's werewolves within... Uh, there is um, the new Wolfman film with Ryan Gosling. There's a really great bloody disgusting article that came out recently about uh, werewolves making a comeback. Oh. Um, and, and I hope that does continue. There, there's quite a few of them around at the moment. Whether that continues apace, I don't know. Right. I mean, I hope so. Will um, Kate Beckinsale uh, work again? <laughs> we shall see. But I do like that they're all doing very interesting things in terms of, you yeah. know, some of them are kind of using the werewolf in a feminist way and some of them are about race mm-hmm. and some of them are about like werewolves within is about again like silver bullet yeah. communities that tear themselves apart because they can't agree and right um, Th- that shit so, yeah. was fully trumpism like oh, yeah. reaction like uh, miscommunication mis- like being a good neighbor like imagine us just like being kinder to each other and, and there yeah. is and without without spoiling anything also it's about not recognizing your true enemy yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. And there is one more, just one more before we move into our picks that I do want to give a shout out to, which you mentioned very briefly in your book, because I'm not even sure it was out yet, but uh, the uh, Brazilian film Good Manners. Yeah, Good Manners is really, really interesting. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing is with that movie is the less said, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, but... It's very, it's quite long and it's quite cerebral, but yes. it's very much worth tracking down. Yeah, yeah I was going to say it's fantastic and I, I highly recommend watching I watched it last year knowing very little going in except for the fact that there was, th- that this was the genre. And um, mm-hmm. and then maybe I was wrong. So <laughs> and maybe I was right. um, Excellent. Well, good manners, good neighbors. Here we are, <laughs> werewolf movies in 2021. Um, let's get into. Do we should we do? Let, let's do our one star reviews first. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Craig. As our guest, you have the honor of going first and telling us about what. Uh, in your um, opinion, is your one-star review werewolf movie? Well, I actually I found this really hard okay. <laughs> because, as I as I said at the start, I I've seen a lot of werewolf movies. Some of them aren't what generally people would consider to be great. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I tend to see something in in almost every werewolf movie I watch because I kind of set out to study them, and so I'm not always necessarily thinking about kind of quality judgments right. sometimes i'm just thinking about what is the theme here do i think that's interesting however the worst werewolf movie i've ever seen and perhaps one of the worst films i've ever seen um is uh the seventh howling movie which is called <laughs> howling new moon rising which have either of you seen uh, you know i i have gotten too deep into the howling series and I, as much as i love uh, howling to your sister's a werewolf, aka Sturba werewolf bitch. I, <laughs> I have been haunted by the cover of the Howling Three, the Marsupials, since I was a teenager <laughs> in a video store, and so I've never been able to bring myself to go further in the series. On which a man called Clive Turner was the location scout. <laughs> 
<laughs> Clive Turner then went on to write, uh, and he was involved in producing Howling Four, the original Nightmare, which is a a, a retelling of of the original Howling because it's based on the same. That's the one um, you made me want to watch the book. most. Um, well, that that's an interesting film on a thematic level, but it is kind of boring. I'm going to warn you. <laughs> like, um, Clive Turner is then also involved in the Howling Five, um, the, the rebirth, which is uh, uh, interesting. <laughs> and then uh, the Howling Six doesn't actually have much to do with Clive. He's not involved with the Howling Six. That film's called The Freaks, and it's interesting, kind of vampire versus werewolf thing. But then we get to the howling seven which is directed by written by <laughs> produced by and starring wow clive turner wow a star is born um and this is a film about an australian man who turns up in a backwater town in california and for the rest of the movie we watch a lot of country music performances <laughs> An awful lot of extremely badly lit line dancing sequences. Okay. Um, there's a lot of people just talking mm-hmm. in a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's basically, it's a country and Western documentary that has a werewolf in the last five minutes. <laughs> and not only that, but the werewolf scene at the end is one of the worst transformations in the history of werewolf cinema. And then it just cuts to a scene of Clive, Clive Turner s- singing a country song. Oh my God. Really? Is he, it he is- put himself in the movie? <laughs> he's he stars in the movie yeah he's the yeah he stars in the movie i do what, not is, like this what is the fascination <laughs> is, of the like country music but also california like it feels very well talking well it, it's a va- it's a vanity project it's 100 percent a vanity project about clive turner's interests it just happens to have, the other the, the other thing it does as well is it tries to tie together the completely unrelated previous three movies amazing four five and six it tries to narratively link them together by a priest and a cop having a conversation but none of it makes any sense <laughs> at all it's a complete waste of time i i'd almost rather be watching the shit line dancing sequences um <laughs> i'm just imagining it i'm just imagining it's a lot of like hey uh you hear about that uh freak show no but did you hear about those marsupials <laughs> like, i uh i once read a review of this film which started with the line i can't believe this film was made by real human beings <laughs> and i have to i have to admit that i completely agree it is genuinely dreadful it is about the only werewolf film that i would discard into the ocean wow. frankly wow there you it's, go it's, thank it's you it's really really bad it, and if you want many- to save 90 whole minutes of your life <laughs> then i would heavily suggest never watching it unless you get a big group of friends yes a lot of a lot of alcohol okay um and you enjoy country music and line dancing there you go we knew ted had to die before the full moon the real werewolf couldn't take a chance i thought it was you but i couldn't be sure until you rescued ted anyone else would have yelled for help or shot him very good pick um which is also interesting because you guys love how like i didn't see the howling um but oh you should you should i know okay oh the howlings the howlings honestly yeah so so good it's so yeah. weird that if you make a movie seven more times it's not good it's so weird <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is i i i like i well i love the howling i think the howling is the greatest werewolf movie ever made i i like howling 2 
Howling Three is ludicrous, <laughs> but it's ludicrous in that it's got it's got an Alfred Hitchcock caricature. It's got Amazing. marsupial werewolves in pouches. Yeah, that's oh, what okay. that's um, where, that's my limit. <laughs> it's got it's got they're not even really werewolves. They're thylacines, which is a distinct kind of marsupial <laughs> dog. It's 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 fucking nuts, but it's interesting. I think I have a couple of those in my family. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth one does some interesting things with readapting the novel. The fifth one is a kind of interesting whodunit thing. The sixth one's a kind of vampire versus werewolf in a circus narrative. So there's things to take away from all of them. But the seventh... Gutter. The seventh... Gutter. ...is genuinely, genuinely one of the worst films I've ever seen. I have often said, if you get to your sixth movie and you haven't introduced a circus yet, you're doing something wrong. Right, right. Or, or taking your werewolves to space. I mean, why has there never been a howling in <laughs> howling space? Howling in space? That's I mean, they, they, would be, they would be a werewolf the whole time. They would be a wolf because the moon is always full in space. Yep. Can you hear Guys, the werewolf yeah, howl the moon on the moon? <laughs> <laughs> but Andy Machete is apparently ma- remaking The Howling for Netflix, although that that news came out just before the pandemic, so I'm hoping yeah. the pandemic hasn't quashed that. But that, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see what Andy Machete does with it. Excellent pick. Uh, my one-star review is 1997's An American Well from Paris. Um, and it's mostly just because, like, what is... The- <laughs> I'm sure at one point this movie, like, knew what it was, but like it is just like this mutant werewolf movie like lumbering along um because it's like wants to be funny but like it's just little bro gross out. like poor julie bowen who like is so young and hot in this movie and they make her very stupid and idiotic they kill her very quickly the movie is just so juvenile um i don't know if you guys have ever been to like paris and like just hung out casually like at <laughs> the top of the uh, Eiffel Tower and then like I don't know thought about bungee jumping no big deal um, it feels like the first thing you would do when bungee jumping would like I don't know have it attached to something like why would you attach it to your body first yes it, it, the movie like I feel like <laughs> safety must protocols have... you're worried about the safety protocols in your American werewolf in Paris movie <laughs> I am this this movie is just dumb everything yeah. about it is dumb Julia Delpy deserves better like she's d- uh, cl- uh, clearly a, a very uh, good actress but like holy shit isn't there any way that I can become human again yeah there is but you're not gonna like it tell me how first Find the werewolf that bit you. Then kill it. Then eat out its heart. What? That means... Seraphine? It's just truly, truly, you know, egregious on all fronts, is what I'll say. Um... I, it, I I didn't like anything about this movie. <laughs> I I didn't rewatch it for this. I saw it when it initially came out and was not a, a big fan, and so I felt like we probably wouldn't talk too much about it unless it was in this particular area. So I have no defense for it, um, other than saying I also agree Julie Delpy deserves better. So uh, in your book, you mentioned that she may or may not be the daughter of the characters of the of the werewolf from the original like it's like heavily oh yeah and, uh, alex alex price yeah, yeah she's yeah Jenny well, i was character. reading up like originally this movie was like in development hell for a long time got rewritten i think 13 times yeah. is what i read like and so originally there was going to be like some sort of you know spiritual um uh sequel but like this is literally they said euro trip but werewolves <laughs> and it literally is like come on bro like 
are we fucking? Are you fucking? Like, it's just like the worst of, you know, like the new, like right before the new millennium where it's just yeah, like. It's, it's interesting that it has the werewolf pack. And I also think that it's utterly bonkers politics are very interesting. But as a film, no, it's it's not great. And um, early CGI werewolves. Oh, bad. So bad. bad. I mean, I'm not a fan of CGI werewolves even today. Yeah. But in, in 1997, pass. Hard pass. Yeah, there's, there's something yeah. extra scary about something that's tactile. I, I think that's mm-hmm. always what it comes down to. Um, great, Another great pick. And I, I would say, and hopefully I, I don't want to belabor the point too much because it's not even a movie we talked about in Rewind. But my least favorite out of all these is actually a big budget film. It was 2011's Red Riding Hood. This is clearly... Uh, off the back of the success of twilight twilight and it's a reinterpretation of the um brothers grim little red cap little red riding hood um amanda seyfried lives in a town beset by werewolves and um or a werewolf i should say and uh gary oldman rides into town as a werewolf hunter clearly picking up a paycheck which is unfortunate because like for all we've learned about how terrible gary oldman is in real life it's hard to beat him in a period piece um and yeah she slowly comes to realize that she's a werewolf of like mind to the werewolf and um yeah, I don't even like. I don't know. The plot's so thin that it feels weird even talking about. It. She's caught in a in a love triangle with two men who couldn't act their way out of a paper bag. Uh. Um, Virginia Madsen, who I love, plays her mom in in uh, like uh, very small scenes, and I wish she'd been in more of the movie. In all honesty, um, you get julie christie as the grandmother to poor julie christie is in this movie had to say these lines and it's just i mean everything's lit by torchlight and and i guess if i had to give a compliment i would say like some of the cinematography is very good but cg werewolves don't do a lot for me and uh, like i said poor amanda seyfried keeps being putting in this situation yeah. where she has to act against people who are not either at her level or just not interested in being in the film that they're in. And there's this whole like steampunk quality to it. And the opening sequence is an exact replica of the opening sequence of twilight, which is (laughs) frustrating as well. So yeah. um, 40, but Hey, made for 42 million made 90 million. Jesus Christ. So somebody saw it. Um, (laughs) A couple folks. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio produced it, which I always think is a weird fact. Um, I don't, th- I don't think Catherine Hardwick's direction is necessarily the problem, but it's, it's certainly doesn't help that that there's nothing. Like, it seems like she would have been like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> right, right. She said, maybe I'm not going to make another movie, so let's just ride these Twilight <laughs> yeah, coattails. Exactly. Uh, uh, Gary's attached. Let's do it. Father, what are you doing here? Where's grandmother? I had no choice. She finally realized what I am. How could you do this? Sit down. Sit down. I've seen it once. I have nothing to say about it. <laughs> and we're going to move right the fuck along. Per- perhaps the most damning um, yeah, yeah, critique. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything else that either of you saw that you didn't particularly like? I have a I have a couple on my list that I that I and once again here is not saying that these are the worst movies, but they are movies that you know maybe lack some things. Um, I think my other uh, you know one of the other least favorites of mine is She Wolf of London because they're 
is no werewolf in that movie. <laughs> They're <laughs> constantly telling you a character. No, uh, yeah, the very first werewolf fake out film. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the worst. And I was just like, really? You know, my re- my official review of that is more like werewolf. Am I okay. right? <laughs> <laughs> I do like She Wolf of London, but I can see why. Oh, I mean, it's it's got stuff. It's very atmospheric, and I it's I love. I mean, based on this Frankenstein poster behind me, I love the films of that era and the way that they're constructed. But I was just like, this is what we're gonna do. I think I mentioned before in the rerun, like things that like really didn't hit for me, like you know, um, Beast Must Die, like I mentioned. Um, I thought Wolfman. I was like, "Uh, you know, fine. I I also like the mysteries. Like I want them to be. I was like, oh, the dad. It's the dad. (laughs) I will say it was very satisfying when Benicio del Toro like ate up that fucking entire room of scientists who are assholes. (laughs) I will. My thing about the Wolfman is like I also am not the world's biggest fan of it, but like Benicio del Toro, like as is like great casting, great casting, and. I kind of like the attempt to create a sort of action-based yeah. werewolf movie, but I think trying to create an action-based werewolf movie is also the major mistake it makes. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's you know it's meant to be a horror film. Or, you know, I think they're starting to realize now that those Universal remakes need to be horror movies, right. like The Invisible Man, and hopefully then right. uh, Lee Lee Wanell's, um Wolfman will be a horror film and and not you know yeah. like, kind of an action blockbuster. Right. Um, okay, great. So then let's get into our five-star reviews. Okay, well, I was going to go for Silver Bullet, but I think I, I kind of sang the gospel of Silver Bullet. You did. Uh, when, when we were talking about, well, films in the 80s, but I do, I love that film. Uh, it's probably, well, it's... Tied with the Howling as my favorite werewolf movie ever made. I think I love Silver Bullet. How do you um, how do you feel about Gary Busey in Silver Bullet? Well, he's manic, yeah, as he is in as he is in a lot of films that he's in in right. the eighties and nineties. I love um, the idea but, of like drunk uncle as the hero, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's and it's, so but it's kind of going against you know, that, and I think it's also in some ways going against that kind of all American hero thing. He's a complete fuck up, yeah. right? but he's the one who helps them to actually solve everything. And I think that that works really well with the way it's deconstructing these kind of underpinning values of America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But on that note, in terms of kind of deconstructing America, I think the film I'm going to go for, having spoken about Silver Bullet a bit too much in the 80s section, is Late Phases, which I love. Mm. Um, I am a huge fan of Late Phases, directed by Adrian Bogliano, written by Eric Stoltz, who is a very nice guy, and produced by Larry Fessenden um it's just an amazing kind of deconstruction of America in that you've got a uh, a, a blind Vietnam veteran who's putting in, in a nursing home uh, well a kind of retirement community um and finds out that that retirement community is being preyed on by a werewolf um I don't want to say too much more about it than yeah. that really but it ends up kind of deconstructing militarism through the main character through the protagonist who can't let go of that whole life based on conflict and uh, military codes and discipline um it ends up deconstructing kind of capitalist american community through some of the other people who live in that retirement community mm-hmm. and in it comes to deconstruct christianity yeah. as well oh yeah uh, in, in, a, in a way i'm not going to say too much more about because i think it kind of goes into vast spoiler territory um but late phases is by far i think my favorite modern werewolf film um i think werewolves within comes close because it's got very similar themes around kind of a werewolf in a community and the way it tears that community to pieces um but i'm a big fan of kind of low budget independent american horror cinema and i think in terms of recent examples of that 
in the werewolf subgenre late phases is by by far the best. And I, I love Nick Dimitri. I think he's a great actor. Yeah, um, it's funny. And the way the way he plays blindness in that film is incredible. Can you make silver bullets? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can make silver bullets. What guns? Smith & Wesson 64 revolver Remington 700 BDL rifle. Yeah, I can make those. Can you do silver shotgun shells? Shotgun shells, well, shotgun shells are a little more complicated. They take like an hour to make. I only need one. I'll take it. So you can watch um, Late Phases for free on Tubi, I think. Um, so really accessible. I liked the movie. I think that the wolves I thought looked a little like fun furry to me. Um, but <laughs> well, I would like to, I would like to talk about why I think the werewolves look the way they look, oh. but it goes into okay. massive spoiler territory again. We'll talk it? off the pod. Um, yes, <laughs> um, uh, but I, I actually really like the werewolves in that film. Okay. They, they took a little while to grow on me, but they're on the cover of the book. Uh, oh, those are those are the, the werewolves from late the, phases the, the, on your book. There's there's there's, there's one, one yeah, of them. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the listeners can't see this. So no, I'm they can't. At things but <laughs> but uh, yeah, podcasting there's, famously there's a visual late, medium. There's a there's there's a a werewolf on the front cover of Phases of the Moon that is from late phases. Yeah, um, I, I do. I I I really really love. This okay, one. also though, but and, another and, movie where the dog fights the werewolf. I fucking <laughs> stresses me out so much. I yeah. I have to say too, in terms of in terms of the werewolf, I. I'm a professional editor. That's my trade. Um, and so the transformation with once again, without saying too much, but the transformation in that movie is so good and so seamless that I had to go in and go frame by frame to figure out how they did it. And I did, I caught it, but I was, and I'm not going to tell you how they did it, but I was in, I was impressed. It's so subtle and it's so well done when, when the, when the werewolf finally, yeah, I was like, clever clever mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah one of the greatest transformation sequences on film yeah i think um, um great pick um my five-star review is gonna go to 1984's the company of wolves um i i too i, I took a fairy tales class in my undergrad um and we read the bloody chamber where the short story comes from and you know watching this movie it is like it feels like literature, like capital L literature come to life. Um, it's very theatrical. I just, it's funny because what you were talking about, Craig, with these, um, the other movies that you had mentioned, um, the modern um, feminist telling, like, I, I remember feeling at the end of this movie, like, yes, bitch, become the wolf, fucking join the pack, like, roam free, fuck your grandma, who is like, I mean, the whole idea of, the fairy tale of Little Red Riding Hood, which I think it's, I don't think it's super common to realize that the wolf in Little Red Riding Hood is a wolf man. Um, but like the, the theme, the moral of, you know, not trusting men who have eyebrows that connect and staying on the path like this. I know. It, drag me film. Drag me. <laughs> I know. Hello? Um, but like it's, it's the into the woods of it all. Like, you know, it, it experience like, you know, girls have to be one way, live life one way. And this movie is kind of stories layered and weaves throughout. There's like a big frame around it. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's a dream within a dream. Um it's just so lush and beautiful and like the way I read up on it, they had like 12 trees and had to make this like yeah. entire forest thing. Um, it's the, basically the girl, a budget of $4 that they set on fire immediately. Yeah, correct. Um, 
Sarah Patterson is so young in this movie. She's the lead, and the Wolf Man is significantly older. Um, yeah. It's 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 very heavy handed with the visualized, stylized of it all. But like, it's just it does this magical realism so well. I th- I think, and I the beginning of this movie, her sister, you know, goes off the path. And, you know, and there's all these stories about, you know, this woman who literally they're like, she hooked up with a gypsy man and haha, he's actually a fucking werewolf. And like, and they, you get the great transform. It's a really grisly, gnarly like transformation. Um, but it's this girl who's really fucking whip smart. She's like, maybe I want to kiss a boy. Maybe I fucking don't. And I'm going to do whatever I fucking want. And she's, the ending is just so satisfying. It's like the wolves be the transformation for me was you know realizing these wolves aren't something to be scared of they're these free spirits to join you know like they don't fucking stay on the path they get to do whatever they want to do and this girl finding her womanhood finding you know out about sex finding out about you know how life is unfair and fucking you know not being timid and not going to be like the prey are you our kind or that kind not one nor the other both. Then where do you live? In our world or theirs? I come and go between them. My home is nowhere. Are you only a man when you dress like one? My, what big arms do you have? All the better to hug you with. Mm. So turning from, like, this thing to be hunted, um into the person in control and having this agency the scene of her like the classic retelling of the scene of you know grandma has had her head bopped off by the wolf yeah and so it's like this wonderful sexually charged really kinetic scene of her talking to the wolf and being like hmm like she's holding her own against him with her wits and wily and he's trying to reinventing the the way of like he's not there to murder her he's not there to eat her he's there to fuck and so her playing this really delicate dance of being like how much power do you have how much power do i have and and again it's it's a little um disconcerting she's a young girl she's maybe 15 16 and he's minimum 25 and that's me being generous um and this it all just comes together so well. I think it's visually very striking and it's accessible um, because there's so many things that you're like, oh, fuck. It's this retelling of the story that I have heard, but it's really driving home this uh, this theme of, you know, agency in women and, and, and controlling your, your, your life and fucking becoming the wolf. It's amazing. It's a great review. Um, I My book started as uh, a phd thesis Mm. and when i finished when i finished the thesis my supervisor gave me an original quad poster so an original british cinema poster for the company of wolves it's so Um, good so so there's like a couple there's actually not there's actually not a great deal on it in the book but it has a a place close to my heart the there's a couple different posters but the one that's really great is like the wolf coming out of the guy's mouth yes Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a, there's just a real magical quality to the movie that a lot of other werewolf movies, you know, have a tendency to go for the gritty, the real. Yeah, and, that, and talk and about that movie, sticking the I landing. Mean, that movie's all metaphor, anyways. But like to add to that metaphor, you have that that fantastical. And setting. the transformation scene is truly disgusting. Oh, disgusting. truly disgusting. Uh, and once again, yeah. in a in a in a film that you wouldn't expect it to be because everything else is is played. Um, in terms of the look of the film is played so light and, and it's magical. It's fantasy, fantastical, yeah. but then out of nowhere, it is gruesome. Yeah. And even like, you know, in the side tale of this man who's been away for so long, comes back, beats the shit out of his like wife who has started a new family yeah. and then fucking turns into this beast. It's like, and then to hear the girl being like, do all men end up hitting their wives? And the yeah. grandma's like, only if you're a bad girl, if you get yeah. off the path. It's like, I, I, Jesus. I mean, I love, I love the portrayal of, of the of the old way of thinking through the grandmother. And the, just, yeah. Angela Lansbury. <laughs> she's she's fantastic in the movie. And another movie that you wouldn't associate with her, but she's, she's really yeah. great. Um, I'm going to build off of everything you're saying, and I'm going to be a little more basic. My pick would be Ginger Snaps. And yes, it is an overexposed film in terms of... Uh, academia and papers written about it but i do think that there's a reason for that and i I think obviously it's it's that start of that like you know it takes everything that you would learn from company of wolves and places it into a more traditional werewolf narrative um ginger snaps is about two sisters uh the the, you also I, i think culturally really bring it out in a fascinating way when you talk about how like close to columbine it was and and you know these two sisters who are sort of they're very in a way gothy they're sort you know they they they're have obsessed a, with death yeah they're obsessed with death they have a suicide pact you know one of the first scenes they're talking about how they would kill some of their classmates and you know that, that that's it's dark territory and you have um bridgie uh bridget and ginger fitzgerald um they're out one night and they're attacked by a werewolf ginger gets the bite and she starts slowly turning it's this big metaphor for coming into your own sexually well, um, she gets her period right before yes she gets her period right before which is what attracts the werewolf the smell of blood i i agree with you craig as the movie goes on it mixes its metaphor a little bit it does uh have a tendency to to be like well this has to be suppressed and controlled and and i think that i think the second movie like really pushes that um which is maybe mm-hmm. you know unfortunate uh because it feels less feminist <laughs> to be like women should be uh, you know under the heel of something this addiction um to monkshood but uh, anyways yeah her her younger sister sees these changes in her and and is actively attempting to cure her sister because she doesn't she she only sees a negative in this she sees i'm gonna lose my sister to this newfound be it maturity sexual awakening um, and her sister is full, going balls to the wall into it. Unfortunately, it also turns her into a predator and a murderer. What are you looking at, huh? My pen exploded, okay? My red pen. That was fucking incredible. Get your camera. Don't you have your camera? This is wall worthy. Come on. You gave it to Jason. You had unprotected sex and you infected him. Oops. Without spoiling too much, you wind up in conflict of of this girl who genuinely believes um, she is has the best interest for her sister at heart, and this other woman who, you know, basically like I just want to run and howl at the moon and have sex with who I want to have sex with, and maybe occasionally eat them. Um, <laughs> Ain't that the way? Ain't um, that just the way? 
but I also think that's a really fascinating look at the way siblings interact with each other. I mean, I, I only have sisters. Um, yeah, same. And I think there's something to be said about the relationship. They have this very symbiotic relationship. They share a same room. Um, and I do think when you're young, when you're in the Br- Bridget role and you have an older sibling, you look up to them in a way that you want to be like them. And then there does get to a point in which you reject the, mm-hmm. you know, the the thing that makes your sibling. I know like that experience of like this person maturing and rejecting you as the younger sibling and, and moving on into their own and doing their own thing. But I like that element of this movie as well. I like th- that it's not just saying, you know, the average claptrap about werewolves and, oh, they become a monster and somebody right. has to stop them. It also ha- really digs deep into that um, relationship. And I, sidebar, mm-hmm. completely unrelated to everything I'm saying, uh, originally this film apparently was, uh, they, they tried to get Sarah Polly and Natasha Leone to play these roles, and Whoa. both of them turned it down, but I would watch the fuck out of that movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I love the mom in this movie. Oh, um, Mimi Rogers. Yeah. She, because for a lot of it, she's like kind of like, she's there, but like just doesn't get it. She's kind of like, you know, mom who doesn't understand, but you know, in the end, she fucking shows up and also not only shows up, but is like, my life is kind of a lie. This is all kind of a lie. Like, you know, yeah. being being a woman does fucking suck. So I, you're in trouble and women sometimes are in trouble and no one can help us. And that's yeah. the, the truth of society. Mm-hmm. And I fucking love that. I also and, and and I like it's not necessarily a mom that's portray- I mean there's a couple bits but it's never a mom that's portrayed as like oh she's an adult she's so lame like right, she right. she is you know she's like girls how many times have I told you to stop pretending to kill yourself in the house right, right, <laughs> like, right. You know, like, oh you sweet silly girls uh, I think that the film depicts her as almost liberal to a fault yes it? yeah right. exactly yeah some... yeah maybe to her own disadvantage right because she she says like my fear is like. I'm letting you guys figure things out for yourself. I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm scared. Is that working? And so like, there is also like this thing about like, how do you raise um, young mm. women and how do you like teach them about sex and sexuality? And, and she wants to be there. She wants to tell her about, you know, like, but like the, the, the classic is like, you know, the, when Bridget goes to like the counselor and is like, I've got hair in weird places. My body is changing. There's a lot of blood. And the counselor's like, that's normal. That's yeah. just us gals. <laughs> She's like, here's a condom. Play safe. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. On the uh, on the flip side, I love how fast the mum jumps to, yeah, we'll just hide the body and burn the house. Yeah, down. absolutely. Like, you know, <laughs> she yeah. said, that's fucking wrong. It'll be fine. Yeah, um, it'll be fine. The, the, what's not funny, but like to me, what really got me was at the beginning, Bridget is like, oh, we're not going to really kill ourselves. Like, that's not a thing. And, and Ginger's like, no, we said that. And we're yeah. gonna fucking die. We're gonna die in this room. Yeah, like and we're then, gonna die together. And at the end of the movie, without getting too spoilery, she's kind of confronted again with that decision of like, are we gonna die in this fucking room? Right. Is this really gonna fucking happen? And having to and I thought that was like kind of really powerful. Um and so to yeah, me, I love what, that was relationship. It, yeah. To me, I guess it uh if it zeroes really in on just this girl making a decision about, you know her sister mm-hmm. and not only her sister's like you know <laughs> newfound power and sexuality but like mental health mental state like yeah. does this bitch even without the werewolf shit like it's not that i'm you're a goth girl it's like you are 
yeah you, I had, you had some suicide. issues yeah, yeah you had some issues it builds or continues building that platform for the fourth wave feminist movies and i do think um like i said unfortunately i didn't get to watch all of them because we only have two weeks but I, watching wildling i was like yes i was like this mm-hmm. is the obvious like next continuation step of the, like where these stories need to go i think you guys have got bloodthirsty on shudder i think yeah Ooh. Uh, so, so that's worth watching, and and when animals dream is a is a is a great movie. I will also say that that the, although I think what I write about Ginger Snaps in the book might be a little bit contentious with some fans, I did not you know I deny anybody to read that book and be able to tell me which of those films I personally enjoy and which ones I don't because <laughs> oh, there's no. not yeah there's, I, there's not a great deal in that book on quality judgments at all. I will, I will and say, I actually, and that's what, when you're writing an ac- academic text, that's not what you're setting out to do. And I do pre- I was going to say like one of the fun things about having you on is we actually get to hear about which ones that you do actually like because you don't you know that's that's not what you're doing when you write one of those one of those books well i have a i have a a ridiculously high tolerance for werewolf movies uh there's a guy called craig clark who writes um uh, reviews for werewolfnews.com and he is the the other person i know who watches pretty much every single werewolf movie (laughs) and i think i think both of us have an extremely high tolerance for werewolf films um so so a lot of the films that i write about in the book i think many people would not like at all but i find <laughs> i find something to like about them uh, as, as i mentioned my phd supervisor earlier when i when i finished the phd he did tell me that he's glad he'll never have to watch my mom's a werewolf ever again <laughs> uh, which is a film i i actually quite enjoy yeah i was gonna say <laughs> i counted the, uh, this as a first time watch for it because i did watch it for this but i have a lot of vivid memories of like the end of that movie and honestly god bless them for casting john saxon in a role in which he's fucking hot because <laughs> like <laughs> because honestly so many so many movies in the 80s he's like insane or a dad but this movie he's like no i'm rolling up on your mom babe okay <laughs> gonna bite her on the big toe yes. oh yeah, exactly. my um were there other standout werewolf movies that you guys want to give a shout out to so, uh, craig you mentioned um some of these ones that people can find on shutter um gavin anything that you wanted to mention i mean obvi- obviously the howling obviously the howling i mean there's, there's mm. hard to beat the contemporary look at or or what sparks the contemporary look at werewolfism and it it perfectly mixes both it's not by any means it's not a comedy i would say that opening sequence is terrifying in all honesty uh i remember seeing it as a kid and being scared of it but there are comedic moments because joe dante is a master of of blending the genre and finding the right Mm. moments to to really pull out those tricks and yeah i i love the howling joe dante is perhaps my favorite director of all time and and the howling i think is the greatest werewolf movie ever made and if you're only ever going to watch one i would suggest watching the howling it's uh incredible excellent um so before we get into our fast forward why don't we do our mixed reviews review so my one star review was an american werewolf in paris that's from 1997 my one star review was 2011's red riding hood and my one star review is Howling New Moon Rising from 1995. <laughs> That's Howling 7. It's Howling 7. <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> uh, my five star review was 1984's The Company of Wolves. My five star review was 2000's Ginger Snaps. And my five star review is 2014's Late Phases. All excellent picks. So why don't we move into our fast forward? This is the werewolf break. Have you guessed who the werewolf is? And so we're in our fast forward now, which means that we're talking about the future of the werewolf movies. And as you mentioned, 
we're in sort of a werewolf renaissance. We talked about it a couple times. Werewolves Within uh, is out this year. Uh, comedy. You can watch it on Amazon. It's like $3. Yeah. You know, obviously, at this point in time, in order to move werewolfism on film along, you're going to be hitting metaphors, more and more metaphors and, and new metaphors. But I liked that, once again, this this was, as you mentioned, this was fully, you know, the the... <laughs> america's decimation it's Correct. people not mm-hmm. trusting each other the lack of community the trumpism like yeah you nailed it on the head with that so but i'm curious as to where you guys think the next sort of big thing is going to be coming from so there's yeah ryan gosling is going to star as the wolfman in the remake of it which i can't wait for because i love ryan gosling so i'm very much looking forward to that um i'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see what exactly they do with it there was there was uh, i think some rumors going around that it was going to be in some way similar to nightcrawler have you guys seen yes. that from jake yes. gyllenhaal um there were some rumors going around that it was similar to that in some ways okay um so that'd be interesting god i just um, hope it's the wolfman driving around with riz Ahmed the whole time i know <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get the shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think there's there's a lot of interesting films to be found. Bloodthirsty, I would recommend Teddy, Blood Moon. Um, but I, I think the interesting thing now is that, although in the past I've always been able to see really succinct cycles of mm. werewolf movies that are all doing similar things, I think now filmmakers are starting to recognize that there's more potential for metaphor with werewolves. And so yeah. films are often doing very different things at the same time, um, which is sort of where the last chapter of the book goes to various different kind of clusters, I think, rather than overarching cycles. So yeah, I think... It, it, there's a lot of potential for kind of where werewolves will go next. Yeah, I, I was actually just uh, sort of having this conversation with Louis that it, it, it's that mindset that perfection is the enemy of the good. And I think a lot of the times when it comes to werewolf movies, people see that, you know, it's not, you know, you think of vampires and you're just like, oh, I just I just have to slap some pointy teeth or you, you look at zombie movies and it's like, oh, just do some makeup and some wounds. Uh, but with werewolves, it's oftentimes thought about like it has to be this big production. It has to be a giant wolf mm. and a human. And I think that holds a lot of people back. And I think we're finally in an era in which, um, you know, filmmaking is is more any everybody that has, you know, a good iPhone in their pocket can be a filmmaker. I, th- I think we're heading towards a place where people are like, well, maybe it doesn't have to be a, a big special effect and maybe it yeah. doesn't, you know, maybe it can yeah. be something, you know, like you said, the, the thing that's more interesting is the metaphor than it is necessarily a big makeup feature. I think that's the thing. It's it's two things, isn't it? It's it's being it's realizing that werewolves can be done without having to spend a lot of money mm-hmm. because we've gotten this far into the podcast without mentioning the fact that they're, the reason there are very few werewolf films comparative to zombies or vampires is because they're really expensive. Right, right. Um, so I think people are figuring figuring out new ways to do werewolves as an effect, and also recognizing that there are more there are more things that can be done with it just rather than just tortured soul. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, we really didn't talk at all about um teen wolf the mtv show which because why would we because why would we (laughs) but also like it kind of just proves that like there was such a huge appetite for um that type of shit on mtv i mean it was very popular i mean Uh, that and and this is as somebody who's i hate to admit this seen every episode of it um (laughs) (laughs) the uh I mean that that I feel like in owes a great deal more to like Buffy than it does to any mm. sort of werewolf thing, you know. But fair, yeah, very fair. Um, but just to say that I think there is like 
clearly, you know, there's a, a new life in, in the genre coming. Um, but it also feels like even though when sometimes we feel like it goes away, it just like is always part of the culture. And I think as long as like, you know, from the days of like tragic, you know, uh, someone stop me, kill me to like the very um, me centric, I don't want to die and I can control my destiny to like this. There's, I love the way that the a genre is just very malleable and can fit so many different things. Craig, you were mentioning there are new uh, movies that are kind of like playing on metaphors about race and things that we haven't really seen before. Um, I do think even like Werewolves Within, like this is something we haven't seen before. And this idea that um, kind of like, I remember when we were doing zombies, the, the zombies is a stand in for like disease, but also like social disease. And that I think Werewolves is very is now beginning to be used in the same yeah. way um, because like the horror is out there like this town is being torn apart not only by an actual werewolf but by community infighting and I, I love that idea and those are those are my favorite werewolf movies really the films the, the, the films that use werewolves in that way I think there's a very clear through line of silver bullet late phases through to werewolves within that are doing that that thing and I hope that does continue that kind of uh, the werewolf in the midst kind of narrative yeah excellent well we'll have to wait and see what ryan gosling does but yeah. until then N- none of us even brought up the brilliance of cursed cursed <laughs> you know what you know what i i would i would do horrible things to see the original edit of oh me too and, and apparently things. like people quote unquote say it exists i i've been in this business a long time enough to know that there is no possible complete version of that but good luck mm-hmm. on finding the the like closest version of that but mm-hmm. uh yeah I, w- I would too in all honesty i mean i'm a huge wes craven fan and i would love yeah. to see the, the his his version i feel i feel bad for him about that movie in all honesty mm-hmm. i would w- it was gonna be my one star review but i was just like i like craven too much to do that to him <laughs> um, and i'm sure i'm sure there was a good movie there yeah i'm, I'm convinced that then it just got you know hacked to bits hacked to bits just like a werewolf slashing away um i didn't even mention once the there's a lot of gruesome shit in 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 the werewolf's world so what shut up Evan. i texted <laughs> you at the it's very not beginning. like the were- I, w- I will say one of my favorite interpretations of werewolf recently is uh the werewolves on the children's cartoon summer camp island which you can find on hbo max uh those werewolves are great and so <laughs> check those werewolves out and they rarely tear people open so love that that's my favorite type of werewolf um well excellent craig thank you so much for coming on the show and hanging out with us and really illuminating um this dark spooky ooky creature um everyone go out and buy craig's book phases of the moon Um, yes thank you so much for being so generous with your time this is your moment to tell everybody where they can find you online where they can find your book and where they can buy it and you you, everybody promised to buy it right now i'm holding you to it (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. This has been really fun. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Craig Iman, if you want to follow me on Twitter. Um, The book is available from all good bookstores. No, Uh, it's available (laughs) from a lot lot of places online, uh, including our corporate overlords, if that's where you want to get it Correct, correct. Just give the the title a Google and you'll find somewhere to buy it from. It's called Phases of the Moon, A Cultural History of the Werewolf Film. Or you can buy it direct from Edinburgh University Press, which is the publisher. Um, And uh, thank you very much for reading it. And thank you for uh, being so complimentary. I appreciate it. Oh, it's great. It's genuinely great. And I I do highly recommend 
going out and picking it up, especially if you're interested in werewolves on film. And once again, Thank like you. you, you just don't get this kind of thing about this specific of a subject. And I love reading that. Like I, you know, I, I think you even mentioned in the book, David J. Skull, I have his books up there and mm. stuff, but like he does, he's a much more like general and I, I love the minutiae. I'm very into well, that. Well, my, um, my great aim <laughs> in my career and life is to write is to write stuff that people outside of academia actually want to read and enjoy. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so hearing hearing people tell me that they have read it and they enjoy it outside yeah. of academia is is really you know makes it worth it. So thank you. Well, it certainly doesn't read like stereo instructions. <laughs> <laughs> thank That's you, a Beetlejuice callback. So I guess that wraps up our episode. Thank you everybody for joining us for this spooky season. This is our final episode for Halloween, and we hope you have a very spooky time. But if you want to find us online to talk to us to chat to us to give us suggestions you can always find us on twitter at at the mixed reviews or on facebook just type in the next reviews you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com write us a little love note <laughs> yeah we're on um, instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews and if you want to listen to us like you've been listening to this entire episode we have a massive back catalog including all of our spooky season shows you can find us on apple spotify stitcher google amazon any of the major apps and if you do listen to us on apple podcasts please drop by give us a five-star rating and review and we'll read it on the show we love getting those go outside howl at the moon um <laughs> and uh, just but say like the mixed reviews uh and we'd really appreciate that thank you guys for listening and have a really fun and safe halloween we'll see you next time the moon cycles <laughs> bye bye-bye I-